0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe... I'm Nara Wang, and my co-host, as always, is the 2005 All-Pac-10 defensive end for USC and 13-year NFL veteran with the Bengals, Browns, Cardinals, and Raiders, Frosty Rucker. Frosty, you were there for the big rivalry game, and we'll get into the details of what happened on the field in a moment, but how was the atmosphere around campus and the Coliseum?
0: Man, I'm so glad I had to be a part of that and see that from a different vision. Obviously, we all know I played, but being a fan of the game and a fan of the Trojans and being around the USC-UCLA game, it was second to none.
1: Fans were rocking. The whole environment was
0: electric, and so glad we got a win.
1: It was a big win indeed, and If you enjoy listening to our weekly podcast here about USC football, please subscribe and rate our show. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And our website is, of course, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, tell them where to find you on social media.
0: On social media, you can find me at The Organic Frost, that's The Organic Frost, on Instagram and Twitter.
1: With the victory bell and bragging rights on the line in the Battle of Los Angeles, the Trojans rolled to a 52-35 win over the Bruins. Similarly to the previous game at Cal, USC struggled a little bit in the early going, trailing UCLA 14-10 early in the second quarter before scoring 28 unanswered points and then fending off some Bruin rallies in the second half. Keaton Slovis continued his record-setting campaign with 515 yards passing, the most in a single game by a Trojan ever. He added four more touchdowns on 79% completion percentage and now has the most pass yards and completions by a freshman in school history. Frosty, how impressive are these accomplishments by Slovis?
0: I mean, I'm a guy who played with Carson Palmer
1: and Matt liner.
0: So witness what this kid's doing as a true freshman at that is unbelievable. I've said it a couple times on this podcast that he's going to make these decisions on recruiting very tough going into the season. I mean, he started off as a backup to JT, and who knows what could have happened with JT if he didn't get injured, you know? But this guy got his chance and made the most out of it. He's breaking records, it seems like, every week. Like I said, he's going to make it very tough on people coming in to try to get a spot from this kid. I also want to say kudos to the offensive coordinator for dialing it up. He's been, I feel, unappreciated because we've had a couple lopsided defeats this year, and he needs to get the pat on the back, too, because he's downed it up, and Slovis is just playing catch with so many talented receivers.
1: Yeah, Graham Harrell has done a good job, especially in recent weeks, I think, of the game plan and the play calling. Again, we would always start off good with the script on the first drive, and then it would kind of tail away. We've been a lot more consistent throughout the game, and maybe some of that is just Slovis' growth as well. But the offense is really clicking now as we are closing out the season. And you mentioned he's got plenty of great guys to throw to. Well, for the first time ever, USC had four players with over 100 yards in the same game. You had the leader with 142, another true freshman who's coming on strong as the season winds down, Drake London, 128 for sophomore Amon Ra St. Brown, Tyler Vons, the junior had 106. And senior Michael Pittman with 104. I mean, he threw for over 500 yards, so obviously he's getting the ball to a bunch of guys, but to have four guys go over 100 in the same game is truly astounding.
0: Like I said, kudos uh, Graham for downing it up the way it is. We're talking about those talented receivers to start with that they're well-coached also by Trojan great Kerry Colbert. Spending time with the great Mike Williams at the game, talking about these guys and he was just so impressed. He said, the majority of it is just how smart they are, how they catch the ball, and how hard they work. And they led the team this whole season. And like I said, kudos to Kerry Colbert, the whole offensive staff, for putting those guys in position to be as great as they've been. And we have a lot to look forward to as Trojan fans.
1: Definitely. And one of the guys really making his senior year count, Michael Pittman Jr., 13- Big catches for the 104 yards that I mentioned, two touchdowns, and on the banquet the next day, he was named, as expected, the team MVP for USC. We've been saying it on this podcast for a while now. It was made official by the team. He is the MVP for the season, and he also got the news that he is now a finalist for the Fred Bolitnikoff Award that goes to the best wide receiver in the country. He is along with Oklahoma receiver CD Lamb and LSU receiver Jamar Chase, the three finalists for the award. So last year's winner, Jerry Judy, who everyone assumed would be back there. Obviously, those three guys had better seasons and one of them is going to be the top receiver in the country. A big honor for Michael Pittman Jr. And we should also note that not just the great on-the-field exploits by Michael Pittman Jr., but he does a lot of stuff off the field as well, and he's getting recognized for that. He's up for a couple of awards that go to college football players that exemplify greatness both on and off the field. So one of the awards he's up for is the Jason Witten Award, and he is a semifinalist there, and he's also a finalist for the Pop Warner Award. And again, both of those awards, measure a player's contribution both on and off the field. So Michael Pittman Jr., not just great on the field, he's great off the field as well.
0: Yeah, and I'd like to say a note that he has a father in his life that is guiding him the right way and shows. Like you said, on and off the field, this guy is just a complete stud. He was my MVP pick when the season started. I just loved everything about his game, big, strong, physical, smart, and a team player. And guys look up to him. So hats off to Michael Pittman Jr., his whole family, for raising a great kid like that. Like we just said, he's getting recognized for all the right things, so kudos to them.
1: Yeah, Michael Pittman Sr., of course, played for over a decade in the NFL at running back, and a lot of times you'll find the sons of star players or pro-athletes I mean, let's be honest, can sometimes be maybe conceited, a little entitled. And that is the furthest thing from what Michael Pittman Jr. is. So like you said, he's been raised very well by his father and a great family around them. And of course, his younger brother is a freshman receiver up at Oregon. And we'll see how he does against us as the years go on. But yes, Michael Pittman Jr. deserves everything that he is getting. And the other bonus that we saw in this game was the return of Vivai Malapai, running back who missed five games after having knee surgery for a knee that had been bothering him since the beginning of the season. But he returned, and along with Steve and Carr, the two of them combined to run 21 times for 147 yards and three touchdowns. So not only was the passing game on, but the rushing game was on for USC as well.
0: Yeah, they were completely on Saturday
1: afternoon.
0: Their offense was completely explosive, and UCLA really couldn't match up with that. Again, I love the environment and love Coach Helton and all the coaches with their backs against the wall, with all this scrutiny going on. You can't help but to hear it. And ball their fists up and just keep fighting and give these guys everything they got. That's why we won that game. And Coach Helton's making it very tough. It's a very tough decision coming up with all this chatter. He's going to make it a tough decision, but we'll see how
1: it plays out. Yep, and we will discuss that a little bit more later in the show. Now let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball and the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week, Talanoa Hufanga. 18 tackles, two of them for loss, had a sack and a pass breakup in the game. He was all over the place, and again, he's been banged up with injuries all season long, but he keeps fighting through it. He even had to sit out a few plays after it looked like he took a big block on a play in the second half, came back in. He's just so tough and again, honored with the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Week for the big game there. And last year, Joshua Kelly ran all over USC to a record 289 yards, most rushing yards ever in the series between these two rivals. Well, this year, SC holds him to just 45 yards on 15 carries. He did get a touchdown. On the flip side of that, though, Dorian Thompson Robinson kind of went off. He had 367 yards passing, three TDs, ran for 64 more and another TD. So the defense, it seemed, was really good in the first half even though UCLA got off to a start that they got a couple of touchdowns. But for the most part, I thought the defense held up pretty well. It was in the second half after SC had gone on the run to take the big lead. I don't know how it looked to you there, but it seemed like maybe they got a little bit comfortable. They started missing tackles, and they let UCLA hang around and make it interesting.
0: Yeah, they kind of put Clancy in a tough spot. When you start getting a lead like that, depending on what defenses he was calling and coverages-wise, You have a quarterback that can run. So if you're in a man defense and guys are matching up man-on-man with these guys, that quarterback has access to take off and run. It's just one guy to beat. So playing with the lead sometimes is good. In this case, we still won the game, but it made our defense look like Swiss cheese a little bit. Glad we got the victory.
1: And even though the defense maybe slacked off a little bit in the second half, they still did enough to get the win. Although I will hand it to UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson. He definitely looked like he was struggling out there. His ankles had to be wrapped up during the game, both ankles, and he was limping around noticeably. But he gutted it out and he kept them in the game. But in the end, USC too much for UCLA. And One of the running themes of the season has been issues on special teams. And we did see it again in this game. The very first drive, it looked like USC's got the stop and they're going to get the ball and running into the punter extends the UCLA drive. They end up getting a touchdown. And then when we get the ball, we're headed in and looking to get a field goal try and SC has to call a timeout because there's only 10 men on the field because Jalen McKenzie had run off the field. They had to call a timeout just to get a field goal kick. Then Amon Ross St. Brown muffs a punt. Also, this is all in the first quarter. I mean, in the very first quarter, three big gaffes on special teams, and then there was a block in the back on a punt return in the second quarter. And Chase McGrath, who's really been so good all year, kicking field goals, had only missed one coming into the game. He misses one in the third quarter. And so special teams have been an issue. Penalties, not as much, although they were still seven for 57 in the game. Center Justin Dieditch had two, a personal foul with a hands to the face and a false start. And Drake Jackson continues to have issues with personal fouls. He picked one up for a hands to the face as well. So that kind of leads me into the Helton hot seat scale poll that I run on Twitter every week to get the pulse of Trojan nation on how they feel about how hot the seat is for coach Clay Helton. And these are some of the issues that people have complained about throughout the years. And again, though, when you beat your rival, I think that helps temper things a little bit because this week, Carolina Reaper, which had been winning with over half of the vote in previous weeks, only 20% of the vote this week, and no votes for Ghost Pepper. Instead, Habanero wins with 60% of the vote. Cayenne got 20% as well. So the two hottest peppers this week only combined for 20%, while the two less hot go for 80%. So how would you feel, Frosty, about what you saw from kind of the various issues that we've talked about and many people have talked about with SC under Helton?
0: I want to talk about the pepper rating, right? So I think people are actually getting wiser to know that you can't vote for the hottest one because there's a lot more into this decision if he's going to be canned or not, right? I think the fans are smart enough to not just go all in on the Carolina Reaper this week, just for the simple fact. USC has a very, very, very tough decision to make with Coach Hilton. There's a lot of money on the books. I know a lot of people, when you talk about SE and give us our name of University of Spoiled Children, they don't care about the money that we'll get some more. There's a lot of money in the books to fire a guy that, if you're looking at it from the past, the team got better than it did the year before. But at the same time, people want change. And I don't think it's because he's a bad guy. I think they just want a sexier pick. I think it's time. USC goes in that bag and finds their guy, which makes Mike Bones' decision the biggest one of his USC tenure. Who he finds or if he sticks by Heldon, it may just be for a year, right? It may be for years so something else opens up and he gets his guy with all that money in the books. Who knows? So I think the fans are kind of seeing through it that it's not just about the pulse of if he's a likable guy, but more so how they're going to attack this in the business
1: sense. Yeah, there are a lot of things to consider when you fire a head coach. You're not just firing a head coach. You're probably going to fire a lot of the staff. That's a lot of money. And especially with the extension that Clay Helton got from Lin Swan, that's partly why SC has this conundrum. And yes, Helton has closed out this season strong. USC looks good. There are a lot of good young players. And now you kind of see national media talking about, oh, well, maybe they should keep Clay Helton. And again, I've said it many times. I think Clay Helton is a great person. And I think he's a decent coach. I'm just not so sure that he's a coach that can take USC to a national title. And I think that's the standard that USC and USC fans in particular want to see. Now, who is it out there that you can get that would be better? Obviously, the big name that's out there possibly is Urban Meyer because he doesn't have a current head coaching job. And so it would seem that that's a no-brainer. If Urban Meyer wants the job, you go out and hire Urban Meyer, money be damned. However, if let's say he's not interested or the money is too much, because even for USC, there can be too much money on the line. Then what are the other options out there? Everyone likes to bring up Penn State head coach James Franklin, maybe Baylor head coach Matt Rule for the job that he's done there and at Temple before that. So there are some names out there, but it's going to cost some money to bring in a top-line head coach. So what is important to USC? And, of course, Mike Bone's only been on the job for a couple of weeks now. He's going to make this huge decision here, and that's why the decision hasn't been made yet. They're waiting to see what happens this weekend when Colorado and And Utah get together on Saturday night to determine who the Pac-12 South champion is going to be because Utah needs to win that game against Colorado in order to be the Pac-12 South division winner and go on to the Pac-12 title game against Oregon. If Utah loses, then USC, by virtue of the tiebreaker by beating Utah earlier this season, will go and face Oregon up in Santa Clara at Levi's Stadium. So obviously, you don't want to fire a coach and then end up going to the Pac-12 championship game with an interim coach. They're going to wait and see, and we will know probably by next week when we do a show whether we're previewing a Pac-12 championship game for USC, or we're doing a regular season wrap-up where we might be talking about a new coach or at least a firing of a coach possibly. So there's a lot still up in the air for USC. And again, no one I think wants to see a coach get fired, especially a guy who's as good as Clay Helton and a guy that the players swear by and you're never gonna find anyone to say a bad thing about Clay Helton, the person. If you do, that person is a bad person because you can't say anything bad about Clay Helton, the person. It's about the coaching and the future of USC. A lot of people have brought up that the recruiting numbers are not great this year. It's gonna be a smaller recruiting class for USC. That's part of the reason for the numbers being a bit lower, but you can't have USC getting a recruiting class that's ranked in the 60s. I mean, that just doesn't fly for usc fans so we shall see what happens but a decision has to be made quickly i think you would agree either you keep them or you don't keep them but you got to make that decision basically i would say next week just because of that recruiting
0: right right we still have time to get some of these guys to sway and i think a lot of guys may be on the fence with the program itself for not being able to come up with that decision. Now, the buzz of Urban Meyer, that makes everyone's ears peck up, right? Everyone's thinking, oh my God, Urban Urban. So it's all over ESPN, it's on Talk Radio, it's on our podcast, right? Their parents are hearing. These kids understand what's going on. But again, Mike Bone has to make this decision. We're waiting on Utah to see what they're gonna do. And it's a difficult time for us Trojans. We want to go out there and get the best top rated guys. But these guys are making their sole decisions off who's going to be there. So say we give him one more year. Are we going to be dealing with a whole bunch of kids transferring if they don't get the coach they want, if they end up hiring them, right? Say we get a new coach, which a lot of the people want. When is that going to happen? How fast, right? Like Utah loses. We're in the big game. Do you do it then? So there's a lot going on. Trojan family. Stay patient. Trust the process. Give the AD the space. Give them the time. To figure it out, he has to make a big decision. We all can coach from the stands and the couch. At the end of the day, let the professional do what he needs to do. Because at the end of the day, it's on him.
1: Yep. And one thing we do know for sure that's in the future for USC, by virtue of being an 8-4 and team, and at worst, the third-ranked team out of the Pac-12, SC is going to a bowl, and it will be one of three bowls. It could be the Rose Bowl. Of course, that would require SC to go to the Pac-12 championship game and win it. Or more likely, it's going to be either the Alamo Bowl in San Antonio or the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. That variation is just going to depend on basically how the college football playoff committee determines the fates of Utah and Oregon. If Utah can win out, And possibly jump into the top four and make the playoff and the Rose Bowl slot becomes open. That would go to Oregon because they would be the second ranked team out of the Pac-12. Finally, then that would put USC into the Alamo Bowl. At this point, it's looking a lot like the Holiday Bowl in San Diego, which of course is just a short drive down the freeway from Los Angeles for USC fans to go. I don't know how many of them would be thrilled about going to the Holiday Bowl. But again, that is probably, to me, the most likely outcome for USC in terms of the bowls. Well, I mean, it
0: is what it is. It's not the season we all wanted, but at the same time, these kids fought and whatever bowl they get a chance to be a part of, is still a memory that's it's going to last them the rest of their lives, and I wish nothing but success, and I hope it all works out, and we can't end up in the Pac-12 championship game and play in the Rose
1: Bowl. If it doesn't work that way,
0: we just want to see the process and trust
1: it. So we will probably be talking more about what's going on with USC next week. Again, we don't know what type of show we'll be doing next week. It'll either be a preview of the Pac-12 championship game against Oregon if Utah gets upset by Colorado on Saturday, or we will be doing a regular season wrap-up and maybe a little bit of a look ahead to a bowl game. But we'll find out next week along with all of you. And of course, that means if you are listening to our show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn, all the places where you can find your favorite podcasts. And the website, of course, is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media at Believe Podcasts. On Twitter, you can find and follow me at Naro Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Where do they find Frosty Rucker on the social media platforms?
0: Like I said earlier, and every week at The Organic Frost on Twitter, Facebook,
1: and Instagram. Okay, so now it's time to recap how we're doing in our predictions. A very close race as we finish off the regular season. Again, The bet on the line is someone is paying for concessions at a USC basketball game later this season. And it is tight, my friend, because this week in the players that we believed in, I went with the freshman receiver, Drake London. You went with the senior, Michael Pittman Jr. Both had big games. Drake London, eight catches, 142 yards and a touchdown. Pittman, as we mentioned earlier, 13 catches for 104 and two touchdowns. So I think, Frosty, we got to call that one a tie. I think both guys were great. I think that's a tie on that one. Yeah, I'll say tie also. And so we go to the game score. And on this one, I think, unfortunately, neither of us won it because we both thought it was going to be a really close game. You thought it was going to overtime. And again, to remind everyone, I said 31-30 USC to win on a late last minute field goal you had usc winning 48 45 a field goal in overtime and also let me just remind everyone we had some guest predictors last week former usc and nfl wide receiver damian williams chimed in with a 31 23 sc win matthew lowry editor of sb nation website for usc conquest chronicles had 45 24 sc And Marcus Grant of NFL.com and the NFL Network Fantasy crew, he had 34-17 Trojans. He actually had the right margin of victory, just had fewer points scored. And so I think we're going to have to say that neither of us really won that because we just thought it'd be a much closer game.
0: Yeah, fortunately and unfortunately, it's a tie.
1: And we
0: both said USC's going to win, so
1: let's say that. Let's start with that. Yes.
0: I would say it's a win. for me just because of the score
1: but you had it going to overtime I know I know what I'm talking about is the score and I picked a 50 point
0: game what was it that I picked it
1: was up there. you had 48 45 so you had it closer on the score I'm giving you that but because you said it was an overtime game I gotta say that I think we gotta disqualify either of us from winning on that game score this week
0: okay so if that's the case we're counting it up,
1: who wins? Well, let me get to the final part. Our prop bet here last week for Frosty's cold, hard truth and Nara's no doubter. Frosty, your cold, hard truth was that the game would go to overtime. So obviously it didn't. So you didn't get it there. I said USC would combine for at least eight penalties and turnovers. And they hit that number on the nose. They had eight penalties and turnovers combined. So I win the prop bet there. So the way I've got it tallied up now is that you are leading by the slimmest of margins. You have five wins, I have four wins, and we have tied four times. So it's a very close race with one game left to go, or maybe two games. We'll see. Again, there could be a Pac-12 title game, so we'll see if there's a game there to be choosing predictions, and there's obviously going to be a bowl game down the line. So my question to you is now, are we going to ramp it up, at least for sure for the bowl game? Double points, right? A win is worth two points?
0: If you want to lose like
1: that, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I see what you're going here. But I think that'll make it interesting. Again, I am trailing by one, going in to at least one more game. But I say we raise it up a little bit and let's make it double points for the bowl game. That works. All right. That works too. We are agreed. We are having a virtual handshake right now over the internet. We will have double points for the bowl games. And again, we'll see what happens if SC can make it to a Pac-12 title game if Utah gets upset. So that is our show for this week because obviously there is no game to predict anything or to preview yet. We don't know what is next for USC at this very moment that we are recording the show on a Tuesday. Again, all we can say is basically have a happy Thanksgiving weekend watching other teams play and finding out what USC's fate is at the end of the weekend. Frosty, before we get going, any final thoughts from the big rivalry win over UCLA or anything about the future of SC football?
0: Well, as usual, I always speak to the players. So if this is one of the last times to sign off on them, I'd like to say, despite any criticism, you guys played hard, played together, you had a bunch of injuries and guys stepped up. And as a proud alum and fan, Trojans, we have a lot to look forward to for you seniors You guys won that big one versus UCLA, and that's forever. We're very proud of you guys for your effort. Proud of you guys for showing up every day. Despite the personal fouls (laughs) that we had and a lot of penalties, you guys showed great character. And thank you for an amazing regular season.
1: Well said. Thank you, Frosty. Again, everyone, have a great Thanksgiving weekend. And for Frosty Rucker, I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us on episode 14 of the USC football podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as always, please remember to fight on.